are listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hey, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. We really appreciate the listeners. Your feedback recently has really increased and it gives us insight into what types of podcasts uh, you're listening to, you're interested in. Um, So definitely continue to give us feedback. You can find us on Twitter at Pharmacy Podcast or reach out to us uh, via email publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. Or give us a call, 412-585-4001. Today is a rebroadcast of the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, the IACP podcast with Scott Maitland. And they'll be talking about the Washington State Court ruling on Pharmacist Conscious Clause and the stocking of Plan B. But before that, Pharmacy Times heads up. DSCSA, Track and Trace, and the Next Steps for Pharmacists. We have an interview coming this week with Gregory M. Smith. Dr. Gregory Smith is well known in the industry. He's from Englishtown, New Jersey, and he has an entire segment podcast dedicated to the DSCSA. Pharmacists must prepare for the full enforcement of the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, the DSCSA, in order to avoid significant penalties associated with noncompliance. First enacted in November 2013, the DSCSA compels drug manufacturers, wholesaler, distributors, dispensers, and other players in the pharmaceutical supply chain to comply with track and trace requirements developed by the FDA to identify counterfeit, diverted, or stolen products. This will be a very interesting show upcoming. We're looking forward to it. And now let's catch up with Scott Maitland with the IACP Podcast. You're listening to an IACP Podcast. Visit us at iacprx.org to learn more about IACP and stay in the know. Hello and welcome back to the IACP Podcast. This is Scott Maitland, your Director of Communications and Publications and the host of the IACP Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I've got David Miller on the ISP Podcast today, and we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. We're talking about the Washington State Court ruling on the Pharmacist Conscious Clause and the stocking of Plan B. Dave, I want to welcome you back to the show, and can you give our listeners some history on this subject? Sure. This is a, a rather interesting uh, decision at the, the Supreme Court level, specifically in Washington State. Uh, it's a ruling that only affects practitioners who are licensed in Washington, but it does have the potential to spread out through other states as well. Uh, traditionally in pharmacy, we have had something that we refer to as our conscience clause. And the conscience clause essentially says this. If for a particular reason, um, a religious belief, for example, a pharmacist has a concern or issue in dispensing any kind of medication to a patient. He or she has the ability to invoke this conscience clause to step back from dispensing that specific prescription and permitting 
uh, another pharmacist uh, to go ahead and dispense that prescription to, to the patient. Now, where has this come into play? Well, in the past, it's traditionally been limited to circumstances, for example, like a Catholic hospital that is uncomfortable with dispensing or providing birth control pills uh, to both its inpatients and its outpatients. So a conscience clause for a pharmacist uh, who does not believe in the use of birth control pills, for example, in a Catholic setting could say, you know, I, I choose not to do this, or that might be the policy of the hospital pharmacy in general. In independent practice, in a chain pharmacy practice, similar beliefs are recognized as being the right of a pharmacist to choose not to dispense a particular medication. And we've seen this actually accelerate, um, at first initially with misoprostol, uh, one of the, the medications that is, is used for abortions. Um, we have certainly seen this accelerate with the approval and the availability of Plan B. So one of the things that was addressed in what became this lawsuit that went to the Washington Supreme Court was whether or not a pharmacy could decline from actually stocking Plan B. And this is somewhat different from the overall conscience clause um, because the conscience clause says, you know, a pharmacist can decide I'm not comfortable filling this medication under the guidelines of the conscience clause that are, is part and parcel of the American Pharmacists Association's code of ethics and its policies. Um, the, the pharmacist does have an obligation to prevent any disruption in care for that patient and to do the best thing possible to enable another pharmacist is to dispense that medicine to the patient with, with minimal disruption, with, without saying, well, you have to go across town or you have to go to another pharmacy. It's, it's strictly just a, I can't do this, I'll let my colleague do it for you. In this particular case, however, a pharmacy had decided that they did not want to stock Plan B. Now, because of that, a lawsuit was brought, and it was initially brought to the State Board of Pharmacy, then it was appealed, and it moved up and further through the courts. This wasn't a case of a pharmacist declining to fill a specific prescription. It was that a pharmacy had developed a policy that they were not going to stock that particular medication. When the Washington Supreme Court took up this particular issue, they eventually ruled that a pharmacy that is in the business of providing prescription drugs to patients um, is indeed obligated to stock medications that would ordinarily be expected to be accessible through a pharmacy. Um, and, and they used sort of some interesting rationales. Um, for example, and, and I'll take it to the extreme here, imagine a patient going to a pharmacy and being told, I'm sorry, we do not stock antibiotics. Um, imagine a patient that goes to a pharmacy and being told, um, we do not stock steroid medications, um, including things like a, a methylprednisolone dose pack for patients that have a poison ivy reaction and need a, an oral steroid. Um, where this became 
of particular concern, certainly within Washington state, and the potential for it to spill over into other states. First and foremost, um, it does raise the question of pharmacy permit holders having to make available specifically Plan B, but it also raises the question for those pharmacies who either do not stock or choose not to stock certain narcotic medications or certain controlled substances because of security concerns. Um, essentially, this Supreme Court ruling could be used to argue that a pharmacy is obligated to keep those medications in stock or make them available whenever a prescription is presented. So while on the surface, this appears to be a fairly narrow ruling that pharmacies in Washington state have to make plan B available to a patient, um, they have to keep it in stock or make sure that it, it, it can be stocked relatively quickly. Um, this also has a bigger implication for stocking and inventorying and the items that a pharmacy should or should not be carrying at any given time. Dave, you alluded to this a little bit, but can you talk a little bit more about how something like this that is for Washington State could ripple across the industry? Well, there's two potential ways that that could happen. Um, We're talking about Washington State today. But let's say, uh, for example, Kentucky. Um, The Kentucky Board of Pharmacy receives a complaint that a pharmacy isn't stocking a particular medication. Now, the Board of Pharmacy could say, you know, this is consistent with our laws and regulations here in Kentucky, um, and say, you know, if the pharmacy chooses not to stock it, that's up to them. It is also entirely possible that the Board of Pharmacy in Kentucky could look at this ruling from Washington State and say, you know what, there is legal precedence here, although it's from across the country, and yes, indeed, uh, we've received a complaint from a patient that you are not uh, making available a certain medication, and you are obligated to now make that medication available. Uh, so that, that's one way that this could impact practitioners in other states. The other way, of course, is that, let's say, and I'll continue with just using Kentucky as a straw man, a patient could file a lawsuit against the pharmacy for refusing to stock a particular medication. It could continue through the court system. And certainly that patient as the plaintiff against the pharmacist and the pharmacy would be able to refer to this existing precedent-setting ruling that occurred in Washington State that says, you know what, if you're a permit holder, you don't get to pick and choose as a pharmacy what you keep in stock you're obligated to make available medications that one would reasonably expect to be available in any pharmacy at any time. So that's how this could literally ripple across the country, either through boards of pharmacy adopting this position formally or through the courts. So how does a ruling like this affect compounding specifically? Well, I I, I think that uh, that is a big unanswered question right now. Um, And and it cuts both ways, for example. Um, We do have compounding pharmacists that specialize in particular areas of medications. Example, uh, if you have a pharmacy that specializes in BHRT, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, um, they may not either have the equipment or the skill set or the inclination to provide 
say, for example, uh, testosterone medications uh, for men. Maybe they focus strictly on women's health care. Uh, what is that going to mean to that compounding pharmacist? Will they be obligated in some way to develop or to fulfill that prescription drug? We don't know. Um, if, for example, what happens if I'm specifically a non-sterile compounding pharmacy, and yet I have a, farm, a, a patient presenting a prescription for a compounded sterile medication? Um, will I be expected to, in some way, ramp up and become a sterile provider of, of compounded prescriptions? We don't know. And that's why, on the surface, again, this might be as simple as, oh, gee, I have to order this from my wholesaler and keep it in stock in case somebody needs it, or if the patient presents for it, I can let them know that I don't have it in stock, but I can get it for them in a prompt manner as opposed to saying, uh, you know, as was the case in Washington State, we do not carry this, nor will we carry this particular drug. From the compounding side, we don't know exactly how that will play out because theoretically, the ruling does say, you know, you should expect to be able to obtain certain medications from a pharmacy permit holder. How does that work for compounds? We don't know yet. All right, listeners, I think Dave just made a really good case that if you're not a member of ICP, you definitely want to join because we are the only organization that's going to scour these laws and make you aware of what's going on to protect you and your business. So definitely check out the link uh, that is available in the notes section on how to join. If you already are a member, thank you. Share this uh, membership information with a colleague so that they know what's going on and they can be uh, prepared and protected as well. Dave, before we close the show, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I think the big question for all of us in this particular uh, section is, and talking about the conscience clause, is recognizing that um, we do have an obligation to ensure that patients receive lawful medications and to do that in a manner that minimizes at all costs any disruption in meeting the needs of that particular patient. That's first and foremost what is a, a core component of our conscience clause. As a member in IACP, clearly this is something that we will be watching for, uh, certainly through our compounder state side and the regulatory activities and issues being raised at boards of pharmacy, and certainly any example that we may see that's specific to compounding as this particular recent ruling at the Washington State Supreme Court uh, begins to affect, if it does affect, any other states and their practice acts. All right, Dave, thanks again for being on the show. And listeners, before we close out this week's episode, I would like to invite you to the Denver Regional Education Meeting, which will be on September 19th, 2015. This program is free to all pharmacists, technicians, marketing representatives, and student pharmacists, thanks to Freedom Pharmaceuticals. It's also being held in conjunction with Freedom's fourth annual seminar, and they've given us a special promo code to get $100 off registration for the seminar. That promo code is IACP15. Now, the seminar does require a separate registration from the IACP Regional Education Meeting. And as always, the links are available in the notes section of this podcast. This is Scott Maitland, your Director of Communications and Publications and the host of the IACP Podcast. And here's to the health of your pharmacy.